Hello, I am Micah Woods. This is the ATC Double Cut, where I have a chance to talk about some of the content that I've written about on the ATC website. And in the episode today, I'm excited to talk about three new posts that I've put up recently after my recent travel to Japan. These have some things that I noticed there or some things that I shared from my trip to Japan. And I think that they may be of interest to you. I will put a direct link to each of these posts in the show description so that you can find them because um, I, I think some of these are, are almost certainly going to be of interest to you. The first post that I want to talk about, I gave a title of Mowing Patterns in tea fields. And this is something that I don't think I've ever noticed before. It is mowing stripes on trees. That's right, mowing stripes on trees. Now, I've seen on grass before. I'm very familiar with stripes on grass. And I think you are too, turfgrass professionals. Know that when you mow grass, and particularly when you put a roller across the grass and bend the leaf blades, the leaf blades get a particular orientation, and the leaf blades that are bent away from your eyes will have a lighter color when you look at that stripe, and any leaf blades that are bent towards your eyes will have a darker color. That's the way it works. And that's something that I've seen a lot on grass. Well, I was in southern Japan in the province or the prefecture of Kagoshima. And I was on a grass nursery on a turf grass production field. And while there, I I turned away from the field and looked and the adjacent field was tea. And on the tea that had recently been harvested, I noticed that there were stripes. And I put a picture of that in the blog post where... There's one stripe that is light colored, the tea bushes are light colored, and in the other direction, the tea bushes are dark colored. Well, it turns out that this is because the harvester orients the leaves in a particular way, and it also it gives that same light reflection effect that we see with grass. I thought that was interesting, and it reminded me of a few other times that I have seen something strange with stripes. And in particular, I recalled a Thai Premier League football game about a decade ago. This is football or soccer. And I know something a little bit weird with the stripes. This was at a field in Bangkok. And during the warm-ups, I noticed this. The field was Zoysia Matrella. The common name is Manila grass. And I... I looked and I saw, okay, there's stripes on this, but wait a second. One of them looks green and one of them looks a little bit yellow, but it's not because of the way that the light is reflecting across the grass or reflecting from the grass. It looks like the lighter section is scalped because if you cut off the leaf tips of manila grass, you cut off those green leaf tips, you get down into the stem tissue that will be a little bit more yellow or light colored and that's what it looks like. And so I looked at that a little bit more closely, and I used my zoom lens on my camera to to get a little bit closer. In fact, I walked down to field level and took a look at it, and sure enough, this was stripes that were put into a football pitch by mowing one stripe and skipping the next, and mowing one stripe 
and skipping the next. And by doing that, it gives the appearance of light, dark, light, dark, but it's actually done by two different mowing heights. I was surprised to see that and I don't recommend it, but apparently the people maintaining that pitch thought that that was the way that they could make it look that the way that they want, that that's how they could make it look the way that they wanted to. Um, I would recommend making it look that way by mowing the entire pitch and just um, mowing it in different directions in order to bend the leaf blades and to create the light and dark coloration. I had heard about this before from a friend who went to India and he had seen this on a cricket pitch in India. Now, I don't think that that is common practice on every cricket pitch in India, but he had noticed a different mowing height being used at one venue in order to produce a different um, different coloration, different stripes on the turf. So I know that this occasionally happens, but generally the standard way to do this is to do it with rolling by orienting the leaf blades in a particular direction. So that that's one post that was something so interesting that I just wanted to share because uh, tea, uh, tea is not grown everywhere in the world and that's a popular drink and I think it's interesting to know that the tea leaves when they're harvested by machine as they are at that field in Kagoshima, Japan, they actually stripe up the, the tea plants. The next post I want to talk about, which will have a direct link to this in the show notes, this one is titled Two Week Turfgrass Tour in Japan. I was recently in Japan for a little bit more than two weeks, and I made a deliberate effort on this trip to record some videos and share some videos of things that I find especially interesting about greenkeeping and about turfgrass management in Japan. I listed all of those videos in this post. I put a direct link to them, and in total, there are 18. 18 videos from that trip that show things that I think are interesting about greenkeeping in Japan. I understand that anybody watching or listening to this probably doesn't have a huge amount of free time to sit down and watch 18 videos all at once, but they are there. And I think that some of these you will find interesting. So I listed all of them in one place. So when you do have time, you may watch some of them, and there are varying lengths. Some of them are less than one minute in duration. Other ones are up to about 30 or 45 minutes in duration. So you can see uh, on different topics, and you can also see different uh, different topics and different duration of, of video, depending on how much time. And I group these into series. So one of them is the Cart Rides with Micah series, which is a video series where I'm generally talking with other people, talking with other people involved in turfgrass management or golf course management or, or sports turf management somehow. This is the Cart Rides with Micah series, and I had a chance to make five new episodes on this trip. One of them is with Andrew McDaniel prior to the tournament uh, at Kea Golf Club where they had the KBC Augusta tournament, and one was with Andrew after the tournament. And you will find things in there. Not, uh, I guess what you'll find in these from Japan are things that I think are interesting and unique about 
turfgrass management in Japan. So for example, I talk there about the fences that are used on Japanese golf courses, on many Japanese golf courses that go around the entire perimeter of the property to keep wild boars out. And there are two common types of fences, and I showed both of them in these videos. In, in the one I titled A Pre-Tournament Visit to Andrew McDaniel at Kea Golf Club, I show the electric type of fence that's used to keep the wild boars out. And in the video that I give a title of Trains, Planes, Soft Cream, and Turf Grass in Japan, I show at Grand Champion Golf Club in Kumamoto the type of fence that's a little bit over a meter high that is not electrified, that is a physical barrier to the boars getting into the golf course. And I showed that one that was about $65,000 equivalent in material. And it was built by the maintenance team led by the greenkeeper, Mr. Ichizono. And that fence is 10 kilometers in distance. So the cir circumference of the golf course uh, goes over 10 kilometers and they have a fence all the way around it that does a good job of keeping the wild boars out. You may at some time in your life have seen one of the viral videos that gets released every now and then that shows a wild boar or boars rampaging through a Japanese city. And you'll see something like a man with a briefcase, wearing a suit, waiting to catch a bus or waiting to board a train, getting ready on his way to work, when all of a sudden a wild boar will come running down the street and just knock the guy over. And there will be people running away, people chasing the boar, and it's just chaos. Now that is not something that one would want to have happen on a golf course. So naturally, there are fences put up to keep the wild boars, which are common in rural Japan. Certainly very common in mountainous parts of rural Japan. Uh, those fences are put up to keep the boars off the golf course. But even more than the potential uh, chaos that the boars could cause if they started chasing the maintenance crew or chasing golfers, there is, of course, terrible damage when the boars dig up the turf. And they can dig up a lot of turf in a short time. So the wild boar fence is a common feature of golf in Japan. And that's something that I wanted to show. So I showed a lot of things like that, that I think that the, a wild boar fence is not so common in Thailand. It's not so common in Oregon. It's not so common in a lot of places that I visit, but it is common in Japan. So those types of things, I wanted to show those. And, and those are what I tried to highlight in these videos that I made. I also showed some of the different grass types that are used. And in this uh, cart ride series, I had a chance to talk with two golf course designers and shapers. I, taught, I did one episode with Quinn Thompson, and I did one with Benjamin Warren of Artisan Golf Design. So that was really fun to talk with them because they're involved in projects in Japan and in projects around the world where they do design and construction and bunker shaping and that sort of thing. So Quinn was involved in the bunker project that was done at Kea Golf Club. So he talked about that a little bit, talked a little bit about the two green system. Benjamin Warren, you may have read about recently or seen uh, the Chaska Loop project 
that, that he's been involved with in Chaska, Minnesota. He led that project, and that's going to open, I believe, in early 2023. And he told me it has no bunkers. So that's, that's quite interesting. Benjamin's from Scotland. So we talked a little bit about Scotland and golf in Scotland also, and what he calls the source material for golf course architecture. So there's all kinds of stuff that I think is interesting. And I think uh, probably you will find some of that interesting too. I think it's interesting also the, the video that's uh, titled KBC Augusta 2022 Tournament Week Review with Andrew McDaniel plus HKT48 Divots, Korai, and Sushi. In that, I show a concert around the 18th green during the KBC Augusta Golf Tournament uh, with girls from the HKT48 group dancing and lip syncing. I also show a typical Japanese business dinner, or at least it's the type of typical Japanese business dinner that happens in the golf industry among the type of people who I hang out with in the Japanese golf industry, which usually involves some greenkeepers, myself, some people from industry, and there is a lot of broken English, a lot of broken Japanese on my part, um, a lot of excellent food, a few toasts, and a good time. So I show a bit of that also, and you can hopefully get a sense of what uh, socializing in the Japanese golf industry is like. Plus, I show bullet trains. So there's all kinds of interesting things that I hope you will check some of those out uh, according to your interest and as you have time. I also recorded three episodes of this show, the ATC Double Cut. I recorded three episodes that are specifically related to Japan. I recorded another episode while I was in Japan, which was with John Wall from uh, Da Nang. And he, uh, that one was about Seashore Paspalum, and it wasn't so much about Japan. So that is another episode I recorded on that trip. But these three episodes on the ATC Double Cut series that were from Japan, two of them I recorded live from the Kea Golf Club maintenance building from the maintenance office or in Japan, that's called the Kohl's Kandi Gym Show. I recorded those uh, as a bit of a preemption <laughs> or, or uh, to beat Joe Galati to the punch because I know he's planning to do some mobile podcasting. He told me or or he told all of us if you've listened to his most recent episode uh episode one of season five he now has a macbook pro i, I understand which is a mobile computer and it will be a mobile recording studio for him so it sounds like he's going to be set to go on the road and record from various venues including perhaps maintenance facilities and he's hinted that he may even record live from Hoylake at the Open Championship in July of 2023. So I'm certainly looking forward to listening to anything that he does that is live from the maintenance facility and I wanted to try it myself so I did and you can find out a little bit about what was going on at that golf tournament which I think is absolutely fascinating and in the final one in that series that has a title of Drought Performance of Warm Season Grasses Plus, a KBC Augusta Data Review, what you can find out there is a summary of the data that I collected during the 2022 KBC Augusta Tournament. 
I think this is really interesting because over the past 10 years, you may have seen some of the information that I've shared about zoysia grass potting greens, about the type of nutrient and sand and aerification inputs that have happened at Kea Golf Club, and then what, what the results have been during the KBC Augusta tournament. So we have measured the firmness every year, the green speed every year. I started measuring the bauble test this year. So I share that information. You can see what those um, results have been, what the average firmness was every day, how that compared with the recent tournament and so on. And I talk in that episode about how much it rained prior to the tournament and how much it rained on the Wednesday of the Pro-Am to pretty much have the soils at field capacity. And then you can see what the firmness levels were when the soil water content was at field capacity. There is another series of videos that are called shorts. And those are videos that YouTube has that are less than one minute or the maximum duration is one minute. I recorded about 10 of those on this trip also. And these also are all things that I think are somewhat unique or somewhat um, distinctive in terms of being something that happens in Japanese greenkeeping and perhaps not happening so much in other places. So it's not just like, okay, this is how you mow a fairway or this is how you mow the rough or this is how you rake a bunker. But the, the bunker preparation video, for example, that I put there, I think it's interesting because it is an all-female bunker crew at Kea Golf Club. So the bunkers are prepared by a group of ladies who work at the golf course, and they are the ones who are responsible for, for preparing the bunkers. So I show the tools that they use and how they go about doing that. And then I showed the tools that I use to measure uh, surface performance and also the growing environment of the putting greens during the tournament. I showed fairway dew removal, which happens all over the world. But at this tournament, the fairway dew removal happened by people riding a four wheel caddy cart that I think is called a turf mate, uh, if I remember correctly. And that's something that typically would be used by caddies and they would have four golf bags sitting all in front and you would drive one caddy for four golfers and you would drive that down the fairway. In this case, those vehicles were used by the golf course maintenance department and they pulled a drag mat behind it to remove the fairway dew. And those types of things, um, like the way that the uh, greens mowers are transported, when I have a video there that's called Mowing Putting Greens at the KBC Augusta Golf Tournament. What I did in that one is showed the K-Truck, which is the common transport vehicle on, or the common utility vehicle on golf courses in Japan. And I showed how the vehicle is used to transport pedestrian or walking greens mowers around the course. And I showed how clipping volume is measured and, and so on. So there are a number of those videos. If you don't have time, to watch the longer form videos, maybe check out some of those short videos that are just one minute or less in duration. And there's one more post that I want to talk about, which is uh, titled Duration of Snow Cover in Hokkaido. Now this is also to Japan, but it's 
in in reference to a larger project, which is the Winter Turf Project. If you haven't heard about that, please check it out. If you're anywhere in the world where you could suffer damage on your turf during the winter. This is something that I had heard of, but honestly, I hadn't paid much attention to it because I live in Bangkok or I live in, I'm, I'm usually based in Thailand, which is a tropical country, and there's just not much going on with winter damage here. So I was aware of that, but I didn't think it really applied to me. But in July of this year, I had a chance to have dinner with Eric Watkins, a professor from the University of Minnesota, who's leading this project, or um, I, I think maybe, maybe maybe I speak too much if I say he's leading it. I, I understand that it's being led by the University of Minnesota, so probably uh, Eric is, is taking a leading role with this. I had dinner with him at uh, the International Turfgrass Society Conference in Copenhagen, and he was asking me about places in North Asia that may have winter damage. And I said, sure, Hokkaido has all kinds of golf courses and all kinds of snow cover. And I thought it would be interesting if some courses in Japan where they could have winter damage could get involved with this project. So as I've looked into this more, they've got a great website. I put a direct link to the winter turf website in this post, or you could just Google winter, winter turf and you will find the information about that project. And it is something that they are looking for hundreds of cooperating golf courses to participate. And all you have to do, it's pretty easy. All you have to do is fill out a few surveys, which involve pre-winter photos of the area that you're checking to assess what the condition is going into the winter. And then during the winter, you take weekly measurements of snow depth, and you note the presence of water, standing water on the turf, or you note the presence or absence of ice on the turf. And then at the end of the winter, you submit photos again to show how the turf made it through that type of condition. And by doing this, looking at turf right now, they've been looking at turf in the northern United States, in Canada, and in northern Europe. And as this project continues, and they look at turf across an even wider geographic range and with even um, a wider range of winter damage that can occur and an even wider range of environmental conditions that occur. It will really help to inform the researchers who are working on this from multiple universities and research institutes from around the world. It will help them to better understand what causes winter damage and how it can be minimized and how uh, turf managers can recover the turf more rapidly when winter damage does occur. So that is my uh, sales pitch for anybody in the world who, who might suffer winter damage to get involved with this. If you can, check it out. They've got a great website. Uh, I've been looking at it recently, and I put a link to it in this post. So anyway... After I had dinner with Eric last July, I thought, I know the Japan, the Japan Meteorological Agency, the JMA, I know that they have snow cover data, snow depth data, and I need to look that up because I'm curious about how a place like Wisconsin or Minneapolis or Duluth or, or uh, Lansing, Michigan or Marquette or various places 
I wonder how the duration of snow cover and the depth of snow cover at those locations compares to what it is in Hokkaido. So I looked up uh, on the JMA website and I found that they have daily snow depth data since January 1st of 1961. So that is uh, 61 years of data, 61 winters, 61 full winters of data up to now. So I looked that up, the daily snow depth. I looked at it for Sapporo first. Sapporo is the city in Hokkaido, the northernmost island of Japan, uh, with a large population. And in Sapporo, the peak snow depth is usually about one meter. And that usually happens sometime in February. So there will be about a meter of snow on the ground. That's about 40 inches. And the number of days of snow cover, the, the duration of time at which the grass is under snow, it ranged in those past 61 winters at Hokkaido, uh, sorry, at Sapporo in the city from 105 at minimum to 150 days at maximum. The median was 127 days, which is, which is just over four months. So there's, on average, we can expect a little bit more than four months of snow cover in Sapporo. And I also looked up the data for Asahikawa. Asahikawa is the second largest city in Hokkaido. And Asahikawa is a little bit east and a little bit north of Sapporo and has a little bit longer duration of snow cover. At Asahikawa, the minimum number of days of snow cover in the past 61 years was 116 days. The maximum was 164 days and the median was 145 days. 145 days is 4.75 months. So on average, we can expect four and three quarters of a month, four months and about three weeks of snow cover at Asahikawa. Now, of course, you can go outside of those cities and go to places with a little bit higher elevation and or a little bit farther north or a little bit colder, and you may have even more snow cover. And in fact, uh, you will find some golf courses in those areas at the uh, winter resorts, you'll have like golf courses in the summer and snow resorts in the winter. In fact, in one of my cart rides videos, the one with Benjamin Warren, he and I ended up talking a bit about snow. We talked about snow in Hokkaido and I made a clip of this. I'm going to play the clip uh, and I hope you, you will watch the entire video with Ben Warren to find out why we were talking about snow in Hokkaido and what, how that's related to golf. But here's what he has to say about snow in Hokkaido. Where's the best snow? Hokkaido, the best lift access snow uh, anywhere, most consistent, in the, in, deepest in, and driest in the world globally is Hokkaido for sure. Now there's better snow, but you got to work a lot harder to get to that stuff. Okay. But getting to the good snow in Hokkaido is very easy. So that is Benjamin Warren, the snow expert, talking about where you can find the best snow in the world. So if you're into uh, winter snow sports, 
I would highly recommend Hokkaido. And if you're into、uh, doing research on snow mold and possible winter damage of the turf, then I think Hokkaido is probably going to be a pretty good place to check that. I want to talk about a couple updates that I've made to the homepage, to the main landing page at AsianTurfGrass.com. I think a few of these may be of interest to you also. One thing that I did is right at the very top, I put in a little widget that shows the five latest episodes, the five most recent episodes of this show, the ATC Double Cut. I did this so that people who are visiting my website can、uh, have this just like、uh, appear right, like the first thing that they see. And it's got a subscribe button which you can click on, and then you can, you can see that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, a lot of the、uh, services that I'm not even familiar with. So you can do that, or you could just listen to the episodes right here、uh, on my website. But I'm going to try that for a little while just to make sure that people who go to my website who are interested in Getting access to this type of、uh, information that they will see that presented to them directly without having to make any further clicks. And then I've got the usual, the new post, the new blog post、uh, right there with a little、uh, preview photo and a one paragraph, the first、uh, few sentences of the post that shows. And then there's another new update that is the top posts. Now, this is Something where I look at the posts that have received the most views, the, the highest number of page views. And I updated this to look at the posts, all the posts that have received the top page views since January 1st of 2021. So I'm looking at about the past 20 months. And in so doing, there were five posts that dropped out of the top post list. And five new posts that got added. So I think I'm showing 12 posts here, the top posts that are getting the most views on the website. And seven of them remain the same. And they're usually、uh, about coring or not coring, about、uh, changing organic matter and how you may or may not change organic matter in the soil with coring. That is a popular topic. But the five new ones are on a range of topics. So I'll, I'll tell you the five new ones. You, of course, can go to asianturfgrass.com and see this. I hope you will take the time to do that sometime. But the five new ones are five different ways to measure smoothness and trueness of golf ball roll on putting greens. That one includes the bobble test, and it includes the perimeter, and it includes various other、um, methods that I talked about. Um, let's see what else. The Breedy equation that's a new one.、Um, that, that's new to the list, and that is one that everybody who measures green, sheet, green speed should be familiar with. Another new one is titled An Especially Lucid Abstract About Core Aeration. This is from researchers in British Columbia, Canada. And they wrote an abstract about an excellent research article. Uh, that is more clear than usual. And their abstract questions whether core aeration is necessary. So that was, that was interesting. Let's see, what else was new? The,、uh, 
Another new one was putting green organic matter by depth in the soil. That is a new one. And the other new one is titled sand top dressing by exact depth, how to work it out. So those are the five new posts that we have on the website. And then the other thing that I did new, uh, I shortened the about section. I, I removed some text and just made it really simple. You can find all my social media uh, links there. And I added in that since 2022, I've been the director of the Pace Turf Information Service. And I also updated my role at the University of Tennessee. And I said, uh, since 2009, I have been an adjunct professor in the Department of Plant Sciences. I previously uh, said that I was an assistant adjunct professor. But when I was there in March, when I made a visit to the University of Tennessee in March, I had a good laugh with John Sorokin. And he said, Micah, how long have you been an adjunct assistant professor? And I said, well, uh, since 2009. He said, well, uh, I think you can drop that adjunct. We'll promote you to a full adjunct professor. So I made that little change in my bio there. So that's, um, that is some information about a few new blog posts. And those are mostly related to Japan, but I think they're interesting. They're interesting for people who manage turf anywhere in the world. And they, um, they are the type of things that I think are so useful to know because if you know how people are managing turf in other parts of the world, some of the challenges that they're dealing with in other parts of the world and how they overcome those challenges, how they're able to produce good turf. Um, like in, in the Japan videos, I've got, uh, I've got some that show how they deal with frost delays. Um, I showed that they're actually cutting hole locations for the next day in the previous afternoon. So they do that to deal with uh, relatively low uh, crew sizes. Th those type of things are common in Japan and I like to share that. I had a chance to do a lot of those things when I was a greenkeeper in Japan uh, 21, 22 years ago. So that uh, it's always fun for me to go back, fun for me to go socialize with people in Japan. and. Uh, kind of relive my greenkeeping days and relive my childhood. All right. Thanks for listening. I am so glad that you are uh, interested in these kind of topics. And I will be back again soon with another interesting episode of the ATC Double Cup. For now, I'll sign off for ATC from Bangkok, Thailand. I am Michael Woods.